This is CrewCast, a podcast about the most infamous band in rock history, Motley Crew. Your resident crew head, Jason, here with you. Thank you for listening, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. And hey, give us a follow on social media at CrewCast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And back from Jesse's Customs, the man who paints Vince Steele's guitars, of course, on the stadium tour. Jesse, what's going on, my brother? Hey, Jason, how's it going, man? Oh, dude, I'm hanging in there. It's uh, running, running wild, you know, the full, full day. But it's not in the streets, thank God. But man, you know, right. just working this stuff. And I got to tell you, so my brother, he's he's uh, listens to all the crew cast. He's really liking the longer stuff, and he really dug the the talk with you. And he goes, uh, "Hey, you know, your brother's a really good uh, graphic artist and designer. Done a lot of racing. How, how come I didn't get a, a shout out?" And I was like, <laughs> Wait, you didn't? So I'm, I'm guessing we talked about my brother doing similar work, never for bands, but before we hit record. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. It was it was either before or after, but pro- yeah, because yep. <laughs> yeah, that, it was that was the thing too. I I wasn't sure when I went back and I listened to it. Like, what did we talk about? <laughs> like it didn't go on there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I almost spit my coffee out. Well, hey, we got a cool topic one you came up with. Um, we're going to do our top five album covers and why. And uh, we were debating, we were going to start with top 10, but then we were like, well, but do you include this album? Or what if we go just albums? And we couldn't get it to where it was an even 10 album. So we went, okay, just top five, hmm. all album covers. We're throwing it out there. And um, we're going to stick with just the artwork on this, though. Just the artwork. Yeah. We're not digging into the songs. What's on there that kind of supplements that? So just the artwork. Maybe what hit us about it in our five. And uh, you're the guest, Jesse. So uh, go ahead and throw out your fifth favorite album artwork from Motley Crue. Fifth favorite. Should have been more prepared. So I, <laughs> well, the other way. <laughs> well, I turned on the recording. Um, went, hey, this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. Um, so fifth, I know my I know my top one, two, two, three. I would say fifth would probably be um, too fast for love. Too fast for love. Too fast for love. Why is that? Um, well, it's a photograph first off, so it's not really artwork. So that that that's kind of making me lean towards being an artist and uh, and all that. But like, I like the way that it used the photo of vince from the back it's a nod to rolling stone sticky fingers right which is probably my favorite i think is the best rolling stones album huge mctaylor fan <laughs> um so they, that's that's a couple that's that's more than one reason right <laughs> <laughs> you can give as many um, reasons as you want yeah and, and i guess i like i actually like the electra version better i like the way the um motley crew is bigger in the red as opposed to the the leather um, pressings, which are black and white, and then the smaller version of it up in the corner, and then this, the smaller red version. So I, I kind of would go with the Electra version with the bigger logo, um, and that'd be my number five. All right, dropping in at number five for me here. This might surprise some people, but it's new tattoo. I love the dragon wrapped around the tattoo needle. And I think it also, for me, at the time, crew wasn't really in the, the lexicon of pop. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. It's kind of when people like, well, you like what? And, um, you know, I, I, I like all the albums, of course, but we're not talking about the content of it. 
And so at the time, as when I was first starting to get tattoos, and uh, they had put it online, Motley Crue, like, hey, you want to get this tattooed? Here's the stencil. And I went to like 15 different fucking tattoo artists. And they're like, yeah, I'll do that, man. Uh, where do you tattoo? And I'm like, I don't. And at the time, I guess there was a thing, or at least where I lived, no one would tattoo a tattoo needle unless you were a tattoo artist. And so I always told myself, eventually, I'll, I'll get it. But uh, it was kind of that that point in my life, the fandom of tattoo art, a lot of the traditional stuff. I love the dragons, everything else. I thought the way they did the tattoo needle, the you know, the Japanese uh, kanji style writing with everything. So I just thought it was a real cool way to kind of put it together. And, of course, the stuff that was going on with the band, you know, Tommy Not There, Randy Castillo in. So it's just kind of a cool time where – you know, people were kind of bagging on me being a Motley Crue fan still. And then they went and saw them with me and they're like, oh, OK, I get it. So I think it's just, uh, yeah, that that really popped out to me. I thought it was a cool, creative, just simplistic. Here it is. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah. And I don't remember who did the design for that. That's it. I'm drawn a blank. Again, not not being prepared. I wanted to have all the artists. No, um, he Blue Belly Studios. He, he's on Instagram. Okay. And uh, Facebook, I am friends with him. Um, he uh, he did the artwork on that, and also another album, um, which is on my list. Um, right. And um, I, I want to say it's Eric. I can't remember his last name. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> hey, <laughs> if, if you're sorry. out there listening, man, um, I'll give you props on it when, when I when I post something about this online. But yeah, he um, he did a really great job in the video. The video for uh, Hell on High Heels. Yep, the animated uh, one. His artwork, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, dude. I, I feel like a dick, too, for not remembering who the hell designed it. Uh, but, hey. Yeah, and the funny thing, too, of course, that story about the, the, the uh, album artwork was inspired by Bruce Dickinson's album, uh, Tattooed Millionaire. Right. Of course, which in the dirt, Mickey Six reveals having mm-hmm. having banged his wife. So it was kind of <laughs> well, and that that is that song is written about Mickey Six. Oh, that's yeah. right. Uh that's who millionaire is, is is like a fuck you to Nikki <laughs> <laughs> for that. And I didn't know that until later on. I didn't know that even so. I think probably until after I read the dirt, and then it, and it came up that that was um that was who that that song was about and. Uh, I had no idea. Oh, man. Uh, the, the depth that, you know, people think Motley Crue is such a surface band until you really start to dig into it, like we're yep. going to do throughout the podcast. And it's like, nope, there's a lot of layers to this for sure. Yep. Uh, right, so, I, hey, I have his name right here. Uh, Bluebelly Studios, Eric, E-R-I-K, uh, Casillas. Casillas, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, now we got it. Okay. Eric Casillas, man. But yeah, it, it's just, it's funny how there was so much depth of what that was. And then we get the story. That's yeah. one of the things that's fun about Motley Crue is always reminds me of, uh, I forget the photographer's name in one of the documentary things, probably VH1 behind the music where other bands are like, no, no, stay away. And, and Nikki Six would be like, Hey, we got a ton of strippers yeah. in here. Get the camera. Let's go. You know? I think, I think that was Ralph Halvin. Ralph Halvin. Yeah. No, actually, he was he was at the Fenway show that I was at. Really? Like, right in front of me. And I didn't even know until he started posting the photos. And I was like, oh, man, like, it's an iconic um, rock photographer. Right? Oh, he's, yeah. He's at that show. 
so many great photos that dude's gotten. That would be an interesting. Let's go after him, Jesse. Let's get. We got to talk with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Him and Laws is uh, Niels Lazula. Mm. He's another great photographer that um has some probably crazy stories. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you're number four. Okay, my number four is uh, Greatest Hits. Mine too. First, first album. Um, sorry, not first album. First version of the greatest hits that they've released it with like the saints of los angeles artwork on it and i think that's the current one on there now right minus bitter pill and um i don't know what's the other song that's on there it was another new song that they put on that didn't make the cut but um the original greatest hits which i remember that come on a 90 i say 98 that sounds right yeah and it had that cool the when it was the the like brown bag look to it Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. And that, uh, again, Eric got Blue Belly Studios, did the artwork for that. Um, and I painted that a couple times on um, on some guitars for customers. Really, really cool. And I've always been a fan of that character artwork. Um, mm-hmm. Really envious of that. I wish I could do that, make, <laughs> make cartoon versions of people that just, you know, you pick up the, uh, the characters and just enhance them and make them look really cool. Yeah, um, so I that, that was. I didn't like the later where they redid it and it was red, and then I know there's like a, a European version that I think is just black and white, and mm-hmm. yeah, there's something about the brown bag look with the red stamp, Motley Crue's greatest hits. Uh, yeah, and, and then the back cover has the medicine cabinet. Yeah, you know all kinds of just cool, like just stuff you look you, looking into. It. It's kind of like an old school. It had like a 70s vibe, I thought, too, because there was bands that, you know, would have that hand-drawn artwork and, and the, the back of the photograph of the medicine cabinet. Um, I don't know, it just there was a lot of thought put into it. There was like an art director involved in, in putting it all together, like a good packaging. Yeah. Um, I want to say that's probably, if you think about it, the last one in out of my top five, the, the latest one that I like, because, um, you know, Saints of Los Angeles was kind of, yeah, it was all right. But. I mean, it was cool. I get the stylized stuff, but maybe we'll throw out a, an honorable mention before our number. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, Greatest Hits was October 27th, 1998 when we got that first one. And yeah, it was just, it, I agree with you. It was just that cool, tattered look. There was something about it that it just still felt really motley, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, so let's jump to number three on uh, on our list. Uh, we both had the same for number four, but uh, let's see if we differ here for number three. Go ahead, <laughs> number three. Number three for me is new tattoo. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. That was um uh, again, Eric's art. Just love it, man. It was cool uh, colors. The tattoo design, like you said, it was the dragon wrapped around the tattoo, which was loosely based off of, I think, Nikki's forearm tattoo, which I have, is a dragon wrapped around a music note. Right. Um, this was a dragon wrapped, and I, I believe Lita Ford, uh, while she was dating Nikki, got a similar tattoo she has on her um know shoulder breastplate a, a dragon wrapped around a guitar silhouette so similar to nikki so i want to i don't know if they got them at the same time or not but uh yeah it just it, it made me think of that and um like we were talking before with the video i thought that video was cool i think there was a 
a Metallica one at the time. That was around the Napster days when uh, <laughs> it was like a, they were making fun of Lars and James. But, um, <laughs> and they gave that artwork. Yeah, they gave Lars, if people have never seen it, it's a little bit harder to find now, but where they did the, the you know, James just Napster bad, and Lars is like, look, we're like, we're yes, yeah. $20 million, <laughs> and he's got this really bad lisp, and it's like, oh, man. And on one hand, you kind of hate seeing some of your favorite bands feud. On the other hand, it was hilarious. It really was. Yeah, and back then I kind of I sided with the fans back then and, and thought, but you know now you know hindsight, I, you know I, I I get where they were going with it, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know it's one of those things where you look at it differently when you look back on it, you know. Yeah, it it, it is kind of funny how we do reflect on that because it's like, mm, yeah, these new bands, especially with how it's changed and. I forget. I think it was Gene Simmons was talking about his daughter Sophie Simmons, and she had put out her song and it was on iTunes and it got something like 7 million, 8 million listens. And she got something like, like $8,000 or something at most. And it's like, wow, crazy how it's changed. And, you know, um, I know uh, you're like me, Jesse, you you still like the big rock show. I mean, heck, that's why we go and, you know, you already saw the stadium tour. Why I'm going to go see it is to still still see these big, huge, bombastic rock shows. And it's like this takes a lot of money to pull off, man. Yeah. Could you imagine a band getting paid whatever the percent every time like the radio station played their song? that's kind of the equivalent of a stream. It's just easier to narrow it down now, but like back in the late eighties and early nineties, every time a radio station played a song, if that was like a download or a stream, yeah. and there's no way of keeping track of that. Even like before, I don't know how they kept track of album sales before sound scan. Um, Cause I know like that's, I've always wondered that now when you go back and you look at album sales, how pre sound scan, how accurate album sales really were, you know? Yeah. Oh, I I know so many bands had to have been ripped off, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. And 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 hasn't being a guy that worked in radio, um, you know, it was it was pretty interesting because the way you know the bigger stations, it was automatically a song spun, record label saw it. But for the the markets that I work in, I had to report it like get online, print out a paper of everything we we played that week, and then go in and and put it in there for new music as far as older music they took a two-day period that we that they scanned so there was no way to accurately tell every time we played something of course it'd be incredibly expensive for a small market radio station so it's kind of right on one hand a good thing on the other hand not so much but uh yeah there was no way that it was it was completely accurate at any point and yeah sounds mm-hmm. good i mean what about what what do we have bmg or what was it where you paid 99 cents yeah. for a cd but that didn't count towards album sales no, no. so you know it's like, it makes you wonder like how many you know how how many times platinum maybe over in reality did Motley Crue go or so many other bands? Yeah. So. Another funny story about you saying BMG. I applied for yeah, they they used to have the cards. You could get the card, your membership card. I filled it out as Nikki Six. <laughs> <laughs> and they sent me the card with Nikki I have it on my Instagram. I posted it and Nikki saw it and started laughing. It's like, dude, that's classic. Uh. Um, is it on the- I never used it though. I never used it. So just side note, I didn't, you know, I wasn't um, the Matthew Tripe impersonating Nikki Six and trying to run up a um, 
<laughs> you know, uh, uh, online, uh, online, the mail-in, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that's a funny little story about that. That's funny. Did you post that on uh, Motley Cruzeum? I did. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tag you in it and, and show you the post because it. Uh, I I just found it when I was going through everything. It was in there with with a bunch of bunch of crap. And I'm like, oh shit! I thought I I just thought I threw it away. Um, and there it was, and N six, <laughs> you know, an account number that you would order. You would use that that card to order those, and then it would charge you to whatever, however it worked. But um, yeah. yeah, I never used it. <laughs> oh, I know. Cool. I got a lot of shitty albums on that BMG stuff, but oh well, it's ninety nine cents. Get it for one song, take it, trade it in, yeah. whatever it was. All right, jumping in at me for uh, number three. I'll need some help on this one. Of course, uh, Dr. Feelgood might surprise some people, but yeah, I, I think at that time it was just that, that ultimate pinnacle and probably the best selling uh, album artwork t-shirt, I would think. Um, And uh, last night I was watching a cool uh, series that uh, GQ put out on their YouTube Mm -hmm. and it had Mike Myers and he's sitting there, it's talking about uh, singer or uh, actors, most famous roles and of course, he's talking yeah. about Wayne's World, and there's Garth, and he's talking about the brilliance of Dana Carvey playing Garth and the Mott yeah. crew, Doctor Phil yeah. T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. So that was, I think, the the first one that wasn't one of my brother's shirts that I actually got for myself was the Motley Crew Doctor Phil Good album work, and uh, yeah, it was just cool, iconic. The colors, you know, I always dug kind of the greens that they threw in there, and and really playing off the. Um, I always forget the damn name of of the doctor symbol, but to you know put the skull on there, make it look menacing yeah. and everything else, which yep. you know kind of we think a, a general practitioner or a doctor quite opposite of mm-hmm. the doctor that they're talking about. So I thought yeah. it had this real cool juxtaposition uh, with what they were presenting on the album. You know, you go Doctor Feelgood, okay, well that's nice, and it's like no, it's not not the Feelgood <laughs> you think, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and and really for that time, you know, I know we weren't going to get too much into the songs, but just the band was in their recovery period. I mean, they were firing yeah. on all fucking cylinders, and uh, you know, it was well documented, interesting because they could have they could have went down that Metallica route if if it was filmed in the same way at the time. I'm sure that the attentions were really really high. Yeah, uh, you know, sure. makes me think of uh, the the Metallica documentary, some kind of monster and. It, it was really interesting. They held it together. And of course, working with Bob Rock, who just one of the most brilliant rock producers ever. So that that artwork, it's just it's one of the iconic things you see it. You know what it is. There's there's no question about it whatsoever. It probably could be one of the more recognizable logos, it, it, top 50 logos of all time. If you look at that, people know that is the Dr. Feel Good album. Yeah, totally. You know who did the artwork on that one, Jesse? Again, I do. And um, for years, I when I found out, when I did the research, um, I, I put it out there a lot, actually. Um, and, it, and it's on my Instagram when I painted the uh, replica bass drum head to, to just to give credit to the original artist. Um, and, and just so many people, because I know that back, you know, back then, these artists, they work for album companies, you know, that yeah. they would be hired and they just got paid a, a flat fee they didn't get points or anything like that like a producer record producer something like that so that out that album cover goes out and then they get their money and that, that, that's that now on to the next project um so i really always wanted to that in a couple of the album covers that are on my list here that's that's one of them 
the original artist to come up with the idea was, um, I believe, Kevin Brady. Yep, the tattoo artist that, that tapped them up on um, Sunset Strip, Sunset Strip Tattoo, um, which is his his idea of using, like you were saying, I can't remember now what they call it either, but uh, you know, taking the winged skull, making it a dagger, um, adding the snake wrapped around a dragon head, whatever that is. It's it's funny. It's, it doesn't really look like a snake head, but the body does. Um, yeah, but I. Uh, can't remember the other oh, artist's name. It's killing me now. <laughs> I didn't write this down, but um, yeah, it's, it's just it's so cool. Such a cool album cover. Well, here's what I pulled up. Uh, power of Google, right? Uh, whatever the truth for the switch, it was decided that uh, famed tattoo artist Kevin Brady, then working at Sunstrip Tattoo Parlor in L.A., should be brought in to do the artwork alongside an illustration by master of puppets artist Don uh, Bradingham. Uh, Nikki, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Nikki Six is quoted as uh, Kevin had tattooed us for a while, as well as others on the scene like Ozzy, Billy Idol, and Sean Penn. Uh, Six went on to say he was very talented, so why not? Seemed like a good choice, and it worked out very well. You know, of course, yeah, one of the most iconic album covers of the 80s. And uh, yep. Carducius, that's the symbol, the doctor symbol that they, they emulated it after. I, I do know. So you, the way where in the beginning of that, where you mentioned they decided to go with the original album cover was supposed to be, which it ended up being a T-shirt and a poster, was Mike Wilmot, the creator of Alistair Fiend's oh. Doctor, at that, that where he's got the scalpel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the operating room seems to be on him. That was supposed to be the original album cover. That's what the band wanted, and I, I think they brought it to the record company. Um, Mike, Mike told this story in a. Um, uh, he's a great, he's another great one we got to get on because uh, I've wanted to talk to him and um, I've actually gotten to work with him. Him and I have collaborated on some stuff over the years and um, he's a great dude. Um, he worked for like Hot Wheels for a while and stuff, but um, he uh, he was telling the story about how that was supposed to, he was kind of crushed that they, it was going to actually be an album cover. And um, I don't know if it was like the art director, whoever it was with the label, and, you know, Electra at the time just didn't think it was maybe a little too dark. You know, because I think instead of a, he had to change the scalpel out from a syringe. There was a couple little things, and I think they just thought it wasn't, you know, they just didn't want to. Marketing wise, it wasn't going to work as well as bringing in some somebody else to do something different. It was a little too Motley Crue, is what they thought, basically. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Uh, the same, the same label that, that said, yeah, go ahead and put out a satin pentagram. Of course, uh, at that time, Electra had changed hands as far as who was in charge there. So, you know, that's just the way that it goes sometimes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So where are we at? Uh, we're at, uh, number two, number two. All right. What do you got? And my, num my number two is Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even though we just talked uh, in, you know, it, extensively about it the only thing i'll throw in that we didn't was uh what else was really cool about them? i mean like just again um whoever did whoever the art director was and put all that together tiles those green tiles um throughout the album cover and then the photos on the back that are kind of like on the doctor's desk and then um that was kind of like the end of an era for artists designing logos yeah. You know, now it's just, you know, people say, oh, what font is that? What, there, was, there was no such thing as a font before a computer. Yeah. Um, coming from that background, this graphic design background, you had typography and type artists and creating an alphabet, creating those, those letters and stuff like that. That's not, 
that Motley Crue logo is created. I, I believe it was Kevin Brady as well. Yeah. They came up with that with the skulls, the melting skulls on the ends, which I'm, I'm kind of pissed that they took those off for like the stadium tour. Now they've, they've they're, 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 I don't know if they're trying to simplify it. Um, so it reads better, but it just kind of looks goofy. I think with the two little hooks <laughs> on the end <laughs> without those melting skulls. Um, and, and that's actually what I use for the logo for the Motley Museum. I take one of those, melting skulls and crossbones on top of the pentagram which i think they used it on a um a pin or a patch or something a few years back yeah uh, it's just cool man it just it, it just it, it was you know I, growing up that's what i would do is write draw all my my favorite bands logos and that one was so intricate you know it was um it was a script but it had all this you know, drop shadows and outlines and just, there's just so much involved in it, but it just, and it looked cool. It just, it, it wasn't overdone like some of the death metal, you know, <laughs> the, the ink splats. Now when you see like death metal bands, <laughs> it's like, like black metal bands, you can't yeah, even I, read it, you know? I know. I have, it's like, you know, you're a true fan if you can read it and they all kind right. of blend together. And, you know, you bring up a great point about script, like my brother being a designer too, to throw him out here again, second shout out, big bro. Okay. So don't give me any more shit. <laughs> Um, from what I understand, if I, I'll have to ask him, I think he has a font that was one that he created. And, and I know that you've kind of done that too within your work is, is like you said, these weren't standardized things where we could just sit there yeah. and punch it out on Photoshop, download a bunch of different fonts and boom, there it goes. It was, you know, yeah. an artist had to create that overall uh, overall arching look and uh, even the inside too we forgot to talk about the cool stuff that uh, everybody in a straight jacket was classic right right yeah <laughs> you know? yeah it's like oh our, our perfectly insane band here yeah so and then that's the thing it's just to stay on that top I mean, none of the albums we talk about but all all the albums they did in the 80s those aren't lo- like their first logo somebody drew that logo out yeah um i mean I think they were ripping off Quiet Riot, <laughs> but you know we know they haven't. You know they've they've been guilty of ripping off bands, uh, but that that logo is. I just watched the Randy Rhodes documentary. What Quiet Riot's logo, even on the bass drums, Tommy had Motley, black outlined solid black crew. Yeah. Quiet Riot, they they had the same thing. So that logo, somebody drew that up. You know that slanted, um, block looking uh, letter style was drawn out even even uh, shout at the devil that's not like a standard someone made that so it was not copied easily you know yeah. you might have typed it out on, on on something and tried to draw it out but it wasn't the same as you know some other stuff on it I'm, you know all, all those albums if you look at those letterings the like girls 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 like oh that's that's not just like a regular script yeah. someone came up with that and, and drew that out and then on the back you know all the all the lettering matches it it wasn't just typed out you know so a lost art that a lot of people I don't think realize is how it was done back in the day. And, and, and the eighties was like the last era of it, you know? Yeah. Once uh, record companies and the CDs started coming out, album artwork went from vinyl to smaller and it just became mm-hmm. less important, unfortunately, which yeah. kind of sucks. And now in the digital age, you, you get a cover art. That's pretty much it. You know? Know. Which sucks. I think for guys, like us that love to, I love to re- dig in and go, okay, who produced it? Oh man. This track, somebody else played some of the bass lines and somebody, you know, did acoustic guitar. They, you know, as kind of interesting stuff that, that, that they would get in there if they would give it credit. Because we all know Vince Neil didn't play harmonica on uh, Smoking in the Boys Room. 
but we'll touch on that another episode. That keeps popping up a lot lately. It's funny you say that. (laughs) that (laughs) Uh, It's like, well, Steven Tyler plays harmonica. Just put that Vince did. Okay. And and, uh, live, it was Fred Saunders backstage. (laughs) The security. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll touch on that on another episode. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, it's cool. Uh, I'm going to make notes here. More episodes. Vince didn't play harmonica. All right. My number two, shout out to devil, man. Uh, it was the, the album that really got me into Motley Crue scared the hell out of me. Uh, being about six years old, knowing that a a pentagram, like, you know, we had all the parents in uproar about everything that was going out music wise and probably just helped Motley sell that many more records, but, uh, scared the shit out of me to, I remember the needle hitting the record hearing in the beginning and looking at that and then opening when you hear Nikki six, you know, the brr, right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and seeing them on the inside and just thinking, these are the most gnarliest freaking dudes I've ever seen. And Nikki and especially Mick scared the living shit out of me. So it was, it was really simplistic, um, but it's so effective. And, and it got it across regardless of what the, the juxtaposition to what shout at the devil is actually about. It pissed off enough people, uh, which Nikki is brilliant about doing that, that, that mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these things are so intentional that maybe we just go, oh, yeah, that's cool. Now there was an intent behind it and that vision that he always had. And it just pissed people off and grabbed your attention. And I just thought it was the perfect simplistic thing for the album to, yeah, have that representation. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites. Um and the only album I think, maybe you know, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the the cassette was different from the album, right? The LP, the vinyl, because I had the cassette first, which was all four of them, like kind of the inside one of the gatefold, but you know, quadrant in the mm-hmm. top, top and bottom. And I, I don't even think I ever saw the album uh, in stores because I was I was a kid when I was a kid. I was tapes. So I really I didn't get into vinyl till later, but um. All the other albums look exactly the same yeah. um, album, you know, a vinyl and, and tape. And so I guess that, that's kind of why to it, it didn't really make my list uh, because it, the cassette that I had, it was a photo of the band, which was, it was still cool. Um, but then it was different too from, from what the LP, I like the LP a lot better with the black satin black. Yeah. Gloss black pentagram. You know, it's just, you know, it's classic. Yeah, per my recollection, too, even for the CD, you could only get that where it had Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil, and then the quadrant right. photos. I don't yeah. think they ever put out a, a, the satin pentagram for a CD, which is a total bummer, man, because it, it was so yeah. freaking I, I think they might have on this new this new run that uh, BMG put out the, you know, the remasters. I think that might... You know what? Because I saw I saw in Newbury Comics, Shout at the Devil was the only one uh, that was already missing. Somebody had already bought it. Um, yeah. They might have done that on, the, on this new run. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. CDs were the same way. Yeah, now we got first a... First CD I ever bought. When I first got a CD player with Shout at the Devil, I had to get really? that. <laughs> I, I had such a broad range of, of musical tastes. I think it was my first couple of cds maybe i think was girls 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 in there and like mc hammer that's where my musical taste <laughs> was at the time i, I yeah. go 
from uh dancing on glass to uh uh can't touch this. hammer right yeah can't touch <laughs> all right hell of a mix there guy uh let's throw out an honorable mention um you got one that still stands out maybe didn't make your top five yeah well we, we talked about it before we hit record um decadent decadence yeah yeah just because it was you know, reminiscent of the the punk era, you know, with the, the the way they had the the laddering, and then just I loved all the at that time it was like the band moved so fast, every album was a different look, but this album had greatest hits, really a compilation, but it had photos from all that era, and then like at that time, never before seen stuff, obviously again not having the internet, and at that time if you didn't like have every magazine, these were photos that really they were from personal collection old flyers and stuff like that just everything i mean I, I looked at that thing for hours for days you know just keep staring at that and it folded out yeah. like a poster size and there's just so much cool stuff on that and um you know the new songs on that i loved yeah i'm scream angela um rock and roll junkie which you know was on the uh, that piece that's board fairlane board, board fairlane board right fairlane. yeah yeah you know. steel played bobby black Bobby Black. <laughs> yeah, and it's right. funny because if you remember the movie, Vince Neil, you know, with the scene where his character dies, he goes, all right, Los Angeles. But they're at like Red Rock in Colorado. They're not even in L.A. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> that amphitheater is in L.A., you know? That's yeah, right. Because it's L.A.'s only really got like the Hollywood Bowl for the most known amphitheater. And then where they do like Indio, lots of festivals and Coachella yeah. and all that shit there. It's like, yeah, that's, that's not LA. <laughs> that's, that's know. Yeah, you know, it's funny now. It's like, it seems like nothing's filmed in Hollywood or, or California anymore in the stuff that's supposed to be. It's all now filmed back in Georgia. Like even the dirt, when they film the dirt, it's like in Louisiana and they had to recreate the sunset strip. Yeah. And it was like growing up watching like, you know, the Dukes of Hazard. they were in Hazard County. They're, you know, the rolling hills of California, you can yeah. see in the background, or like the, in the back lots of the stages, they're like recreating like the South. And now you watch like, you know, Cobra Kai or, um, you know, Stranger Things, you know, and they're supposed to be in the Midwest or West Coast, but everything's like filmed in Georgia now. So it's kind of funny how uh, yeah. things have changed. Yeah, it's like Georgia and Toronto are the hot, uh, the, the hotbeds, the hubs for it now. Like, yeah, walking yeah. all in Georgia and it's like, okay, it made sense for the story, but let's put it here. It's more right. affordable. And they're like, yes, please come do your production here. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, uh, my, my uh, uh, bonus one would also be uh, the Decade of Decadence. Uh, you know, I thought it would... I love too when they put out the documentary of it. They use a similar artwork, but just different coloring. Right. And um, I agree with you that kind of harkened back the irony of you know the Sex Pistols anarchy in the UK and very much like the Sex Pistols album where it was like cut out of the newspaper yeah. put up there, which once again I think was really intentional uh, in their thought process. You know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and they covered um, Anarchy in the UK was on that, right? That was yep. the. That was the cover song. Yeah, so it was it was quite interesting that that was the thing. And, of course, you know, the Dr. Feelgood, we saw the makeup get stripped away, but there was still some some bigger hair, and that started to go. You know, Nikki Six went from the big hair to the really kind of long hair, and I think he even had, like, a rat tail look in it. And, you know, Mick got a little more what's uh, kind of how I think of Mick, you know, the awesome little gnarly dude, <laughs> top hat. Yep. And uh, Yo, that was when uh, Tommy shaved his head. 
Right. He had the mohawk. Yeah, well, on the sides, he had the mohawk. Like him and Nikki mid Dr. Feelgood tour did the metal mohawk where they had still long hair shaved on the side. But then um, I think it was Decade when he kind of cut it shorter. Um, so it was more like a more of a mohawk. Yeah. I remember that from that video. And All right, my man. Actually, yeah, in that. It's uh, Nikki shaving his head in that one. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you're up number one. I got a feeling we're going to both hit number one again. <laughs> I think so too. Uh, it's definitely going to be theater of pain. Yep, theater um, of pain. Yep. Uh, it's just uh, you first. You first. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it was my first, it was my introduction to the band, really. So there's that. Um, but still, it's just, it's the, uh, the color, the and again with with, with Doctor Feelgood, you're going off of a theme and motleyizing it, you know. Um, this you took the comedy and tragedy masks and you put the pentagram on there and just the, the, the way the artwork was done was just you know and, and again I don't know the artist's name and <laughs> um, I, I, I for again for years always put it out there because I don't want to claim that like you know that's my artwork for people that don't know um, if people are seeing so that's really cool who did that you know it's well I did it but um, it's a it's a replica copy. Um, and you know, we had talked before about mixed guitar in the Home Sweet Home video has it. Tommy had it on the bass drums. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, and this is where they just totally changed their look. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many fans they lost that were metalheads and Judas Priest Metallica loving, you know, thinking that Crew was this metal band and yeah, they just totally, you know, pull the rug on, on from underneath them and they're, uh, they're wearing pink. Or Vince is wearing pink and polka dots and stuff. Um, yeah, Nicky with you know, a stripe look that matched his bass guitar. and Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And that, you know, and then not, not even realize until years later that he totally ripped that off from Pete Way. Right. You know, Heroes and uh, Steven Tyler with the stripe suit. Um, so, you know, again, Nicky, great, great at borrowing and making it his own and, and just pushing it out to uh, – you know, it, it was, it was funny because you look at that stuff and now I look at it now and I go, ah, well, they copied this, they copied that, but it was, yeah, they did it way cooler, yeah. you know, and, and, and then, you know, it's paying homage to, to your heroes growing up. Yeah. I couldn't you know, agree so. more that it was definitely like the homage thing. And why wouldn't you, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of like what you do now with a lot of your stuff. Like you said, you've been busy painting those Kramer guitars with that artwork. And, and for me, yeah, it was once again, mm-hmm. like just continued with it. It's simple, but it's not. And unfortunately, I never got to see that tour. I didn't really see Motley Crue until uh, when Tommy first left, unfortunately. But, you know, from people that I talked to, like Theater of Pain, that tour, that headlining one was a barrage for the senses, which really plays into that, uh, you know, the whole idea of what it was, what it was about, what they threw out at people. And if you go back, listen to the episode I did with the gentleman who wrote the crude play, um, you know, he talks about that extensively that, that he saw that show and it was just this barrage of light and sound almost disorientating. Yep. And that's kind of that awesome juxtaposition that, that they yeah. presented. That, I like that. I liked his take on that, man. He, and, cause he's informed in theater and all that stuff and educated. And that, that was great hearing his take on that, man. I, that was a really good, like, I listened to that after uh, he posted it. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have to do a talk with him, too, because he can break it down a little more intellectually. But yes, yeah. my my favorite album as well, it, it, you know, and 
I loved the cover when I was a kid, but then once I saw the home sweet home video and Mick playing that Kramer and just that cool shot that kind of swoops in where Mick's doing the solo and he turns and it just Mm -hmm. shows the face, uh, you know, with the artwork on the guitar. It was like, that is the coolest fucking thing I'd ever seen. (laughs) You know, that that video too, man. I think that video sets, there maybe was a couple of videos before that, like maybe the Scorpions or something that did like a live um, montage of, of like you know the band being on the road but i feel like after they put out home sweet home like everybody did it you know you had bon jovi wanted dead or alive was this and wayne isham was was the director of that one too i think you know it was just like everybody wanted that everyone else has its store you know they all the ballads look like a home sweet home video you know <laughs> um and but they were the first i think to really you know again do it just do it better and then everybody tried to copy it, and it just wasn't as good. You know? Well, and the look of it, if you you know, you remember back, a lot of it might have been the band set up on their stage and how it appeared, but there was no crowd. And you're right, Wayne Isham, which, boy, I I think I know someone that might be able to connect us with him because um, my daughter's actually in a video he directed. I'll tell you more oh, about wow. off air. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, he just had that thing. It was like, let's capture the overall look, and he did it again with the, you know, on girls, girls, girls doing the videos, yep. uh, you know, with doc, into the Doctor Feelgood album, that live look. I mean, um, I'm drawing a blank. What what video it was where they put the camera in the ball and it just went out in the crowd? Uh, same same old situation. Thank you. Yeah, and it's just like yep. how freaking creative is this? Let's capture the yeah. crowd, that essence. And um, you know, I I think he actually I think he did the uh, the uncensored video. I think I think he's the one that. Put that all together that was his camera crew and everything that was doing that i'm pretty sure uh, well guess what we just coined another episode we'll have to dig into the uncensored video yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so uh recapping the the list coming down of course uh mine uh number five new tattoo number four greatest hits number three dr feelgood number two shout out the double devil number one theater of pain what was yours again jesse number five too fast for love number four greatest hits Number three, new tattoo. Number two, Doctor Feelgood, and uh, number one, the European as well. Absolutely. And hey, guys, if you're listening on Spotify, uh, you can let Jesse and I know what were what were your top five. I put the question up there. Unfortunately, you can only answer that on Spotify. That's just the way that it works because Spotify is cool and they're a little bit ahead of the trends of getting the interaction. But throw it up there. We'll talk about it in a future episode. What list you guys uh, threw out. Jesse, people want to check out Jesse's Customs, Motley Crew Museum, all that stuff. How do they find you, brother? Uh, Instagram is probably the uh, most uh, updated. So Jesse's Custom Design. Um, and then um, the Motley Crew Collection is Motley underscore Cruzeum. Yeah. With the museum. And it's extensive. One of these days I'm going to be able to afford to travel. I'm just going to come out and we're going to go through. You know, <laughs> it's going to be. Yeah, I'd love to. And I, you know, it's funny. Most people that, you know, when they come in here and they see my stuff, they're, they're novel fans and 80s music fans and stuff. But it's rare that like a crew fan, you know, sees it. Um, so it's always it's always fun to, to be able to show it to someone who, who really appreciates and knows what, you know, what, what they're looking at, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, man. And of course, thank you, uh, fellow crew head for uh, tuning into Crewcast. Of course, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Give a follow on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Museum. And uh, if you want to connect with Jesse, those links are in the podcast description. 
Again, his custom work is freaking amazing. He does do some uh, some different things, so reach on out. But uh, he's just a brilliant designer, man, and I'm, I'm digging it. Like I said, it showed my brother, and he was beyond impressed. So keep up the great work, and uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, crew has the best. Fuck the rest.